Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Facebook Live from Chisholm, Chisholm and Kilpatrick. My name is Christian McTarnigan and today I'm joined by Michelle DeTore and Kayla D'Onofrio and we're going to be talking about knee conditions, a really, really common issue that we see for our veterans client, veteran clients are um, problems with their knees. Frankly, I have to be honest, it's one of my favorite types of cases, um, orthopedic conditions. Um, and so let's just start, uh, let's start really at the beginning, which is, um, you know, Michelle, well, how do you get service connected for a knee disability? Sure. So you can get service connection a few different ways. So I'll start with the most straightforward is direct service connection. So direct service connection means that um, it basically the event that caused a knee injury happened in service. So your knee injury happened in service. So for direct service connection, VA requires three elements. So you have to have a current medical diagnosis of a disability. You have to have an injury or event in service that caused the disability to your knee. And then you have to have a medical medical nexus, excuse me, that links the in-service event to your current diagnosed injury. So that's direct service connection. So think of it in the fact that you were, and I'll go off the beaten path with an example, you were playing basketball in service and you were playing with a bunch of friends and you fell and you hurt your knee. You have an in-service injury to your knee. You currently still have a knee issue. You have, you know, um, degenerative joint disease or arthritis in your knee now. And you get a medical opinion from your doctor that links your current degenerative joint disease and arthritis of your knee to that in-service event or injury. So therefore, that meets the elements for direct service connection. And that doctor's opinion would be what's referred to in VA law, like you said, a nexus opinion, right? Yep. Yep. It is, some VA terminology is a fancy way of uh, saying certain things and like, uh, Christian just pointed out uh, a doctor's opinion is a, is a nexus opinion. Um, so another way you can get it is secondary service connection. So think of it in the way of you have another condition that causes the knee condition. So I'll use an example as you have an in-service, service-connected right ankle injury. And because of the right ankle injury, you kind of maybe walk a little differently um, because, you know, you're overcompensating for the ankle pain um, and it causes a knee problem to develop. So now you have a knee condition that is now caused or secondary to your service-connected ankle injury. So that is where we kind of get secondary service connection. Another way in that you can get service connection is aggravation. So think of it in the sense that I'll use the same example of the ankle and the knee. Um, so think of it in the sense that you already had the knee condition prior to the ankle injury. Um, or, you know, maybe the, the knee condition uh, was due to a non-service connected injury. You know, you fell somewhere. Um, but because of the ankle injury, what would normally maybe be a mild condition is now considered something to be a little bit more severe because you're overcompensating uh, for, you know, the injury for your right ankle by, you know, walking differently and it's aggravating your knee now beyond the natural progression of the disability and making the disability essentially worse. So therefore it's aggravating the condition. Those are typically the three ways we see service connection for the knee. So it's direct, secondary, or aggravation um, are the ways that typically we see a lot of times the veterans claims go. All right, great. So the first thing, uh, the first uh, first thing you need to accomplish in terms of getting um, compensation for a VA uh, or compensation for a disability from VA is to get the condition service connected. And so next, Kayla, once you get the condition service connected, um, 
you are going to get a rating. A rating is a percentage that's assigned um, to your disability, how disabling it is. Uh, and for the knees, there are a bunch of different ways uh, and a bunch of different diagnostic codes that you can be rated under. So um, do you want to take us through one of them, Kayla? Sure. Um, so I think the most common one that we see and the most common one that VA really sees in general um, is limitation of flexion of the knee. Um, so that's rated under diagnostic code 5260. Um, and basically limitation of flexion has to do with um, the inward motion of the knee or how much you can bend the knee. Um, so when VA is testing it, they're looking at, um, in general, range of motion testing. Um, the diagnostic code um, criteria does specifically contemplate, um, you know, the, the degrees of range of motion that you're able to bend your knee. Um, this doesn't get super highly rated. The highest rating that you can get for limitation of flexion is a 30% rating um, under the scheduler, um, you know, rating criteria under diagnostic code 5260. Um, and the less that you can bend your knee, the higher that rating is going to be. Um, so the, at a 0% rating, um, you have, you know, pretty good mobility in your knee as far as the ability to bend it. Um, you can bend it up to 60 degrees. And then at um, the 30% rating, your limitation is pretty limited to only about 15 degrees. And there are a lot of people who um, file claims uh, based on limitation of extension. I think it's one of the highest um, and most commonly claimed uh, VA disabilities. All right, so 5260, we use numbers just because that's how VA um, organizes the diagnostic codes. Um, 5260 is just the number that's assigned to the limitation of um, flexion disability. Um, but other than that, uh, there's also another diagnostic code that applies to limitation of extension, right, Kayla? Yes, um, so limitation of extension is Sort of the opposite motion so it's your ability to straighten your knee um, it doesn't necessarily mean that your knee is frozen but you can't straighten it all the way um, the rating criteria 5261 is the diagnostic code for um, the limitation of extension um, the diagnostic criteria does allow you to get a higher rating than it would for the limitation of flexion of the knee um, the rating criteria goes up to 50 percent versus just 30 percent um, which kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, if you're not able to, you know, fully straighten your knee, it's going to affect your ability to walk and ambulate um, probably a little bit more than an inability to fully bend your knee. Um, but, you know, again, you're, it, it kind of goes under those same restrictions of um, really just kind of looking at that strict rating as far as um, the degrees that you're able to bend your knee. Um, so keeping in mind with both limitation of flexion and limitation of extension of the knee, um, these rating criteria is pretty strict as far as, you know, how you can get those ratings based on your range of motion testing. Um, there are a few different things that they really should be taking into consideration, you know, including flare-ups and, you know, pain on motion. And we're going to talk mm -hmm. about those a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but in general, it is based on, um, you know, pretty strict range of motion testing. Yeah, I think, I think, is it called, a, I always mispronounce this, uh, a goiometer? Like a, it's a, it's I like is that what it's called? It's literally something that they use to see, think of it like a protractor, like how far you can literally mm -hmm. move your leg. Um, that's how yeah. they do the, the most baseline basic rating under these disabilities. All right, yeah, so exactly. that's extension and limitation. Um, there's other ways that uh, your knee can be affected by a service-connected disability, and one of them is instability. Do you wanna talk a little bit about 5257, Michelle? 
Yeah, sure. So instability. So what does that mean? It basically, for VA's purposes, it means that the knee is moving too much from side to side or dislocating regularly. I think for a layperson terms, you're thinking about the knees giving away. So a lot of times instability causes somebody to fall. Um, so usually, for our purposes, if we're looking for evidence of it, a lot of times we're looking for lay evidence or medical evidence that shows the knee is giving out or causing somebody to fall or, um, you know, lose balance. So this is unique in sense compared to the other knee uh, diagnostic codes in the sense that you don't need objective evidence here. Meaning when I say objective evidence, you don't need medical evidence. A veteran is competent to talk about the fact that their knee gives away. Um, however, it is good to be mindful of the fact that if you do see um, that medical evidence doesn't show it, VA may give a little more weight to the medical evidence, but yeah. it's unique in the sense that it, you can just have lay evidence demonstrating it. So here VA rates it based on a 10, a 20, or 30. So they call it slight, moderate, or severe. Um, your, what, what does slight, moderate, and severe mean? Um, Great question. <laughs> You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think that in VA's world, um, it's really just showing kind of maybe how often it happens. How often does it give away? So for me, and, and you know, if I'm arguing a case, I want to show how often it's giving away to help show that slight, moderate, and severe. Um, but in, in normal sense, VA doesn't actually define it. So that's why we kind of chuckle a little bit when we say, what does it mean? But that's kind of how stability works uh, for knee conditions. And um, what, uh, just to, to take one quick step back, you mentioned lay evidence. Do you want to explain what that is, Michelle? Sure. Lay evidence is usually when you get a statement that is from either a veteran or a third party, basically just attesting to the condition in the sense of the severity or, you know, the events that caused it. Um, it can be submitted by any veteran, uh, you know, basically wanting to show evidence in support of their case. It's usually taken with the same weight as medical evidence in most cases. It's very strong evidence in a lot of cases. We usually mm -hmm. recommend when there's a lack of medical evidence to get lay evidence, um, including from yourself and others that can attest to the severity or the cause of a condition. Great. So um, when a knee disability gets really severe, um, you know, you might need a, a knee replacement. Do you want to talk a little bit about how the knee replacement diagnostic codes and ratings work, Michelle? Sure. So you're talking about 50... 55 here for the knee replacement. And typically with that, when you're getting your knee replaced, VA automatically gives you a year of convalescence rating. What is the convalescence rating? It's a temporary 100% rating for a year. Now, once the 100% ends, you're either gonna get a 60 or a 30 because a 30 is the minimum rating after a knee replacement. It depends whether you're getting a 60 or 30, it depends on limitation of motion and pain. Specifically, VA requires severe pain for the 60% rating. What is severe pain? Again, it's a little bit uh, subjective um, in the sense that there's really no information given for what severe pain is, but um, you can usually show like how much it's affecting you to kind of show that mm -hmm. severe level. Um, so typically, if you have a knee replacement, you're getting a year of 100% rating, and then you're either going to get your condition rated at 30 or 60 um, moving forward. Great. And then just uh, very quickly, I'm going to hit two more. Um, <clears throat> another condition that can really affect knee is a meniscal condition, those who have had problems with ACLs. Um, so you can receive um, ratings under diagnostic codes that are 5258 and 5259, a 10 or a 20% rating based on the, um, the residuals of your meniscal problem. Um, 
So Kayla, we've been talking about a lot of different knee conditions here, flexion, extension, um, instability. I'd imagine that there are a lot of veterans who have multiple issues or many of those issues, not just one. So can you be rated um, for multiple conditions of a same knee disability? Let's say if you have multiple things going on with your right knee disability, can you get more than one rating? You can. Um, so the way that VA should be looking at it, um, you can be rated separately for each of these disabilities as long as you're not contemplating the same symptoms more than once. Um, so VA has what they refer to as pyramiding, which is um, basically something that restricts your ability to get compensated twice for the same symptom. Um, so for example, if a veteran has, um, you know, limitation of flexion and limitation of extension um, in the right knee, they can be separately rated for both of those conditions. Um, but if, you know, you're trying to look at maybe, um, you know, ankylosis and that also contemplates limitation of flexion, um, where you have limitation of flexion already rated, you can't kind of overlap those symptoms in the same way. Um, so as long as your symptoms are separate and distinct from one another and they can be separately rated under those diagnostic criteria, um, they can be separately rated. It's something that VA misses a lot. Um, sure. I think especially when we're, you know, seeing that a veteran maybe files a claim for one specific condition and they go on an exam. Um, and in those exams, they do find that maybe they also have that instability in their knee. Um, VA raters and, um, you know, when they're adjudicating those claims, they tend to not pick up on that um, and they don't separately rate it. So if you find that you're looking through an exam or you're at an exam and they do find that additional symptom, um, definitely point it out to VA um, so that they can compensate you appropriately for all of the symptoms that you're experiencing. So Michelle, we've been talking about a lot of movement-based disabilities, right? Flexion is when you move your knee closed. Extension is when you extend it out. Instability, it's going to move a little bit side to side. So can you get a rating under VA law just for pain? So if you asked me a few years ago, I would have said no. <laughs> but recently, a few years ago, um, and specifically around 2018, case law came out that found that, yeah, you can get rated just for pain. They actually found that pain alone may constitute a disability. And that is very important language to know is that you can now be compensated just for pain. Beforehand, I would say VA always required it to be a medical diagnosis. And there really wasn't much to establish the fact that you could get it just for pain. But thankfully, new case laws come out that does allow for that. Um, so it's just something to think about, especially if you're filing for um, or want to file for benefits is that you do not need a medical diagnosis in order to get compensation. So what about painful motion, right? Because that's a separate concept in VA law. Yes, it is. So think about, so the thing about painful motion is that sometimes you don't have instability. Sometimes you don't have limited, limited flexion or extension. However, VA regulations require that if you have pain on motion, that you are to be rated at the the lowest level um, that the condition allows, which is usually a 10% rating. Yep. So if you don't have any of those things that we talked about earlier, but you have pain on motion, you should be given a 10% rating for your disability. So um, a lot of our veteran clients have problems in both their left and their right knee. Is there anything different, uh, Kayla, when you're rating someone who has uh, orthopedic disabilities in you know, both of their knees? Yeah, so VA kind of recognizes the fact that if you have a disability that affects both your left knee and your right knee, or, you know, in general, your left leg and your right leg, your, you know, left arm and right arm, 
um, they kind of recognize the fact that that is going to be um, inherently more limiting to a veteran and their ability to function. Um, mm-hmm. So when they're doing the math to, you know, come up with a disability rating, um, they actually give you an additional compensation um, based on what your ratings are. So it's a little bit confusing. Um, VA math is already pretty confusing to begin with, and this certainly um, can make it a little bit more complicated, but it is something there that is supposed to help a veteran. So for example, the way that this would work is if a veteran had maybe a 20% rating in their right knee for limitation of flexion and a 10% rating in their left knee for instability, um, VA would take those two ratings and combine them first um, to get a raw total of a 28%. And then from that 28%, they're going to take 10% of that, which would give a 2.8, and they'll add it to the 28%, and the new combined rating would be a 31%. Um, so in this you know, specific example, that wouldn't necessarily change what your combined rating is. It would still be 30% based on the rounding. Um, but in some cases, it can be the difference between you know, a 90 and a 100% rating sure. or um, something like that. So it can definitely make a big difference overall when they are, um, you know, looking at the combined rating. Um, keep in mind that this does have to affect both your left knee and your right knee. It can't just be based on multiple conditions limiting one knee. Sure, that's a great point. Um, so a lot of what we've been talking about in terms of limitation of extension inflection, it's like literally how far you can move your knee, right? They, they measure it to the degree but there are other ways that you can get increased ratings uh, under VA law that don't require that actual limitation of motion, right? You want to explain that a little bit? Sure. So an additional thing that they're supposed to be looking at, which um, again, this is something that I think is pretty commonly overlooked that we see um, on VA's end, is they're supposed to be looking at what's called functional loss. Um, And what that means is how that condition actually affects your ability to function in everyday life. Um, So it's kind of going beyond that just sort of checking off the boxes on your CMP exam as far as what the objective range of motion testing is. Um, They should be looking at things like pain, um, you know, how severe it is during flare-ups, how frequently you have flare-ups, and sort of how those things will also affect your ability to function in everyday life. Um, You know, just because you maybe have, you know, pretty good full range of motion in your knee at a certain point if you're in so much pain, that it really does sort of affect your ability to, to function. Um, they should be considering that when they are assigning disability rating. And also pain is probably the most common symptom that we see, but also weakness, strength, mm-hmm. incoordination, all of these are elements of orthopedic disabilities that VA is supposed to consider when they're rating. Um, yeah. And so arthritis is uh, a condition that a lot of our clients deal with, a lot of veterans deal with. So um, do you want to explain what the major joint rule is, Kayla? Sure. So um, the major joint rule basically says that if you have a diagnosis of arthritis, um, what VA is going to do first, um, they're going to go through those normal range of motion tests um, and kind of determine if you would, you know, be able to get sort of that normal disability rating based on the range of motion tests under um, 5260 and 5261. Um, however, if they're doing those range of motion testings and you do have, you know, pain, but, you know, you, you do have pretty good range of motion overall, um, VA will look to um, Diagnostic Code 5003, which is the Diagnostic Code for Arthritis, and as long as you have arthritis that's confirmed through x-ray evidence, um, they'll assign a 10 or a 20% disability rating based on 
um, you know, how severe the arthritis is and whether it affects one or both of your knees. So it's kind of VA's way of looking at um, maximizing your benefits to the full extent that they can. Um, they are going to, like I said, look at your normal range of motion first to see if they can give you a higher rating based on that. Um, but if they can't, they'll then look to the diagnostic code for arthritis and rate based on the arthritis diagnostic code instead. So we've been talking a lot about what conditions can be compensated, how they're compensated. So Michelle, let's talk CMP examinations because this is where VA gets a lot of the information that they use to rate the veterans. It sure is. So for CMP exams, you know, veterans will often say, what do you, what you, do you expect, especially for something to do with the knees? This is mostly going to be range of motion. And we've kind of talked about certain parts of it throughout uh, this conversation. A lot of it is checking your range of motion. So your where's your flexion going to? Where's your extension going to? They're supposed to test you after repetitive motion. So how, how much is the motion limited when you use it over time? They're supposed to be talking about limited motion after flare-ups. Obviously, that's a very difficult one because you're not always going to an exam during a flare-up. So then they're supposed sure. to address by, based on your conversation, you know, what additional limitations you have during a flare-up. Like Kayla said, they're talk, supposed to be talking about functional loss because your mm -hmm. pain is so severe, you know, how much more loss do you have? Um, those are some things to be thinking about. They're supposed to be talking about impacts with standing, walking, sitting, um, climbing stairs, kneeling, all the things that impact your activities of daily life. Uh, so those are some things to think about. They're always usually supposedly in-person exams just because they have to be checking for range of motion. So that's something else to be mindful of for examinations. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, the examiners are supposed to provide a lot of information for the board to be able to rate that disability. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they don't always, right? There's a lot of, there's a, unfortunately a lot of mistakes in, in these examinations because exactly what you were saying, both Michelle and Kayla, the VA examiner isn't really taking into consider, uh, taking into consideration the functional loss that it causes. They're not estimating how much range of motion might be lost. Um, are there any other uh, sort of common mistakes that you might see in CMP examinations in your practice? Um, I think something that I commonly see is they're not necessarily, you know, addressing all of those separate disability ratings. They are kind of glossing over and sort of maybe sometimes get tunnel vision based on, you know, what's being claimed or, or what, you know, the exam request might say. Um, so when they're providing opinions, they're not necessarily looking at those sort of separate ratings that a veteran could potentially get and talking about those symptoms as well, um, which I think mm -hmm. then, you know, in turn gives VA adjudicators more tunnel vision when they're making decisions on the claims as far as what the rating can and should be. Um, so I think sure. that's a pretty common mistake that I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, how would you guys... Uh, say that veterans can improve their chances for being rated correctly for their orthopedic conditions? I would say when you go to an exam, being really upfront and honest about the limitations yeah. you have, because if you're not reporting it during exams and you don't try to hold back a little bit, it's really not going to show all the limitations that you have, you know, talking about, you know, the fact that you can't stand or you can't walk or, you know, when the pain is so severe, you can't get out of bed. It, it's really not showing um, the functional loss if you're not reporting that stuff. So I, I think yeah. that that is very important. I agree. Yeah, and, and you know, Michelle, like you were talking about earlier, I think, you know, lay evidence can also mm -hmm. provide, um, 
you know, some additional supplemental information for VA when they are adjudicating these claims. And, you know, specifically when you're talking about things like functional loss, um, you know, pain, um, limitations based on pain and um, instability in particular, having that, that lay evidence talking about how it actually impacts um, your ability to function in everyday life, your ability to sit or stand or, or walk for a certain amount of time um, can be really helpful in, in helping VA adjudicators get it right. Yeah, absolutely. And be honest, but thorough about what your everyday life is like, what your symptoms are. Um, something that I see from time to time in an examination, uh, it seems like a common pleasantry, but you know, the examiner said, I asked veteran how they were doing, and they said they were doing great, right? Because yes. it's, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. And then that gets recorded. And you know, that's, that's a, you're, you're being polite, and you always should be. But, um, you know, unfortunately, your knee hurts a lot, right? And that should be what you're talking about in that examination. Yes, I fully agree with that. You see that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So any closing thoughts before we uh, wrap up the knee condition talk today? I would just say we've talked about a lot of conditions. We've thrown out a lot of numbers that go to diagnostic codes. We're talking about a lot of medical terminology. I think it's always important for people if you know you think you're underrated to also reach out to you know an attorney, a veteran service organization, you know somebody that can look to see if there is additional benefits that you should be awarded and that you're missing out on. Yes, and I, I was you know really going to just reiterate what um, Michelle had said. I think there's a lot of things to consider when thinking about knee disability ratings, um, and you know an attorney or a veteran service organization. Um, can really help you kind of determine what paths that, you know, you're able to choose and how to get you the, the most benefit. Um, it is really confusing and there's a lot of things to consider. So, um, you know, definitely seek help if you, if you think you need it. Absolutely. All great advice. Well, I think that does it for our conversation today. Thank you very much for joining in. I hope to see you again soon.